I was really passionate about building a tech-driven insurance company that would inspire all employees, help companies build a well-being culture and help employees live their best selves, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, financially, to create well-being within the workplace. You're listening to This Much I Know, the Seed Camp podcast. Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast, we have two very special guests, and the subject is how to make employees healthier, happier, and more productive. And to talk about that, we have the founder of ULife, Sammy, and one of the partners at Notion, Ichaso, who are both great friends and who I look forward to hearing more about. So welcome, guys. It's a great pleasure to be here. Hey, Carlos. So this is a big ambition for the podcast. I mean, maybe we shot for too high a goal here. It's like the answer to making employees happier, healthier, more productive. But hey, you got to start somewhere, right? And so, Sammy, maybe we can help the audience understand a little bit about you and what you're tackling by maybe just giving us a little bit of background. What led you to start this company? Okay, so maybe I'll give a bit of background. But just to start off, ULife is an insurance company that inspires people to live their best lives. And we started six years ago and we've grown now. We're covering over 500,000 employees in the UK and we're expanding now to the US and to South Africa. So that's really just a general, I suppose, overall broad definition of what we're doing at ULife. How did I get to start this business? Well, maybe I'll just give you a very brief background. I studied computer science at Imperial College and my late father at the age of 63, He had retired from his business. He was in a manufacturing business, not in insurance. But at the age of 63, he came up with an idea to start a new business. And it was in the insurance market. It was trading insurance policies. And I wrote the platform in my final year project to actually create the trading platform to allow this business to happen. And when I graduated, we started the business literally from our dining room table. This was my first startup, my first experience in insurance. And thank God, the business took off. My father's come up with a good idea. We started to recruit people. My mother threw us out of the house, get an office. We took an office. We grew to about 10 people. We expanded. We went to another office and to another office. Within five years, we IPO'd on the London Stock Exchange, on the full London Stock Exchange. I was the youngest director at the time of a publicly limited company on the traders on the stock exchange. And it was a really exciting journey for me. And I was sort of managing this business and it was exciting. But at the age, after about doing this for about seven years, I realized that I was experiencing, I suppose, what's called now burnout. That I was emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in a way I'd reached my burnout. I wasn't feeling good about myself. I sort of was feeling like I needed to refresh, rejuvenate. And I took a sabbatical. And I took off six months and I went traveling. I went traveling to the US, I went traveling to Israel, and I spent a lot of time in different well-being centers. And I learned there about meditation, I learned yoga, I learned the importance of breathing, I changed my diet. Within two months, I felt so much better, so much more connected to who I was as a person. And I was determined then to come back and to build a business that would marry both of these passions of mine, well-being and insurance. I also met my wife, by the way, on that journey. She was working at a wellness center in Arizona. 
and went back to the UK. I sort of sold that first business, got married to my wife. We had our first child actually in Jerusalem. And we lived in Israel for a couple of years where I got to see also about startups and technology. Went back to the UK and it was at that point that I was approached by a company, the South African company called Discovery. And they were building a new insurance company, which is now known as Vitality, Vitality Life. So I became the founding CEO of what was called then Pruprotect, but it was now rebranded as Vitality Life. And this was the first life insurance in the UK to reward healthy behavior. And for me, this was like marrying my two passions. And it was a really exciting journey. Vitality is now one of the largest life insurance companies in the UK. They're in about 30 countries. But Vitality was very much focused just on individuals, really, and helping individuals get healthier and very much focused on physical wellness, getting people to the gym and encouraging people to work out in the gym, which is great. But I was really passionate about building a tech-driven insurance company that would inspire all employees, help companies build a well-being culture and help employees live their best selves, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, financially, to create well-being within the workplace. And that was really the idea of ULife six years ago to build a new tech-driven insurance company that would inspire people to live their best lives. And it's been a really hell of a journey, quite a roller coaster, but a really exciting journey since then. Awesome. And we'll get to later into the, the episode, some of the ideas that really caught your attention, Vichaso. But one of the things that, Sammy, I wanted to keep pushing on here is, you know, you talk about Vitality and it was one of the groundbreaking insurance companies here. And insurance is a funny business, right? The life insurance is a funny business. And, and what Vitality did really well was to sort of this trying to correlate actions with risk. Walk us through the product of ULife. What was the key innovation of ULife that really from a product point of view, and that's anchored the difference. Absolutely. Well, the group life insurance, which is really the area that we work in, is a huge market. It's a three billion pound market in the UK alone. And that is most companies, let's say over 250 people, will offer life insurance for all their staff. It's often called death in service. And, and actually, in the title itself, therein lies the nub of it all. It's called death in service. And really, it's seen as a product which is just payable on death. And if you go into companies and you ask them, who is your life insurance covered by? I guarantee you, ask, maybe one in a hundred employees may know who is covering their life insurance. And often the senior executives don't really know. It's just seen as a commodity. It's seen as something which just compensate if the worst would happen. And often the head of HR is buying these benefits. And it's not just life insurance, it's also income protection, critical illness. These are really important financial products, but there's very little engagement. Employees that aren't really engaging, the heads of HR that are buying these benefits aren't getting the credits for actually bringing these products into the workplace. And therefore there's an opportunity. And that's what we're doing at ULife is we've transformed this commodity of a death insurance, essentially, which just pays out on death into a living life insurance that gives value every day to employees, that inspires people to walk more, to meditate, to cycle, to do healthy things every day, and to get value. We've created a currency of well-being called Ucoin. For every mile you walk, you earn Ucoin. For every five minutes of meditation, you earn Ucoin. You can exchange those Ucoin for Amazon vouchers, for air miles, or for planting trees and doing something good for the environment. So what we're doing is we've transformed a very traditional, old-fashioned commodity 
into something that's life enhancing, that really contributes to a well-being culture within a company, which is what companies are yearning for and striving for. It's a way of keeping their employees engaged, happier, healthier, and more productive. Maybe either one of you have a view on this, but from what I can tell from your product suite, that it's largely targeted towards group coverage as opposed to Absolutely. individual coverage. And you know, we're seeing this tension between what an employer should give an employee versus what somebody should procure for themselves. I, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, absolutely. Maybe I'll bring in a chuckle here because Notion are actually a customer of Ulife. And maybe you can compare to what you used to have, let's say, to what you have now in terms of the richness of experience that you, let's say, as a customer, as a member of Ulife, maybe a chuckle, you can talk to what, how it's affected your culture at Notion by having Ulife now within as a product. Yeah, absolutely. I can talk about that. So yeah, I mean, this is a B2B business. Uh, we only invest in B2B uh, businesses at Notion. So definitely it is aligned with our strategy. And we are users and we are very active with the product. So before you live, we did have life insurance, but I really don't know who was the provider. So you are absolutely right. I really don't know who was the provider of our life insurance product. At the moment, the ULife product is an application where we compete, we can launch competitions among people. Internally, we have a leaderboard who is walking or doing more meditation time. And uh, obviously, some people are more involved than others. Very clear who's leader. number one on the leaderboard at Notion, by the way. It's very, yeah, no, very I, clear. I, got, I get invited to Ichasa's spin classes, and I can only imagine that if you're the one hosting the spin classes, you're probably doing all right on the leaderboard. Ichasa's step rate is fantastic and is <laughs> leading the leaderboard. And it's, it's actually on our leaderboard as well, I think, as well, the ULIFE leaderboard. But it's, yeah, fantastic role model. <laughs> it is definitely a way to be engaged. And I think it has also engaged people that previously, I mean, myself, I've been always motivated to exercise and to stay healthy and that keeps my, my mind very clear. But it is true that there are other people that maybe they weren't before. And we are using sometimes those competitions to involve other people. And I think that this is a great way to let people know, in fact, that you don't need to go running, but you can also do some meditation during the day, or you can take a little bit of a break for yourself. And that also benefits you. So I think that has been really a positive impact, had a positive impact in the team. And that's what employees are looking for. You know, businesses are searching now, especially post-COVID. When we started out, it was just the pioneers that were really prioritizing well-being and those heads of people that really understood well-being. But often the CEOs and the executives, they didn't really see this. They saw this as an extra spend. Is it really necessary? But now we're just seeing across the board, executives, CEOs, financial directors are taking the issue of well-being so seriously. And if any ways that they can engage their employees in a way that can inspire them to be more healthy, to help them when times go bad as well, because as part of the ULife suite of products, we offer an EAP, we offer mental health counseling when people are in distress, that comes part of the ULife proposition. We also have access to a video GP. So within four hours, one can make a doctor's appointment on video for oneself or with members of one's family. So it's there really as an accompaniment, our app, to yeah. help people through when things are challenging, but also to inspire them through, as Ichata said, through the leaderboard, through the gamification, through earning Ucoin, to just do those everyday healthy habits that ultimately yeah. will lead to a happier, healthier life. 
So I guess if, if we try to answer the question, because I still want to go back to this point of B2C versus B2B. And I appreciate, you know, Chester, that you guys invest only in B2B, but I still want to unpack what that means because there's tons of companies mm-hmm. out there who are trying to tackle this problem from both sides. But if I go back to the Absolutely. original ambition of this episode, it's making employees healthier, happier, more productive. It sounds like the answer is to have the sort of the intrinsic life journey, which life insurance can in a morbid way represent. Yep. But having that intrinsic life journey of us as humans be something that you corral around and you life provides a structure to corral around that. So the actions you take, the rewards you get. And so what you're basically saying is that in an organization where that is sort of dismissed or, or sort of hidden in the sense that it's like you're not acknowledging people's life journeys, that's where the source of unhappiness comes from. That's where the source of lack of health comes from. It's that like you're treating people like robots rather than people. And it's through life insurance, through you life that you can create that structure. It's like, hey, look, we're all susceptible to injury, to mental health issues, to other things. This is the structure that we put together to help. Is that what the thesis is? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the old style was often very paternalistic or just looking after. We're moving much more with employer-employee relationships, a much more partnership model, a more respectful model, giving space for one another. And realizing that I have to bring out the best in myself and I need to bring out the best in my team. And we're all on this journey together. And we have the tools together that can accompany us through that. And that's why we're broadening out our product base. So now we also talk about engaging with employees and individuals. There is also now the opportunity for employees themselves through the engagement that we're having with them is that they can enhance their financial well-being by topping up their life insurance, let's say, with you life directly through us. That if yeah. they're looking now for further life insurance, which they may need if they're buying a house, they can do that through you life. Yeah. We're now facilitating dental insurance, which is a very popular product. So employers can buy dental insurance for their employees or an employee themselves can decide they want to expand their coverage. So we see ourselves, the entry point is very so much touch on that last, life insurance. Let me just yeah. uh, touch on that last little point that you can let somebody buy something that they don't have. Because one of the things that Absolutely. is increasingly happening is that we're living in a world where increasingly organizations are more complex, right? They're no longer a centralized industrial point in the middle of you know one city. Now they're remote, this, this, that, contractor here, person, remote office there. And that just complicates things, right? And so do you think that we're getting to the point where companies are outsourcing to you life the complexity of providing something that's slightly more customized on a per person basis? Or is that an infinite permutation that will be impossible and, and it sounds nice, no, but it th- never happen? I think you're right that the trend is that. I don't know if I'd call it outsourced, but certainly a partnership model of, of rather than just an employer just deciding, okay, I'm going to buy this product and that product exactly is you give a base of products to your employees, but then you start offering them more choice and personalization. And you say, here's a platform. And maybe we've just done a deal with Mintel, for example, it's 500 employee organization, where they are co-paying for their dental insurance for all their staff. So they're paying towards this. They're subsidizing the products. So some products the employer will decide, you know, we'll pay the full amount. But on others, they may say, you know, we'll pay 80% of the product, but you need to co-pay. And I think we're moving much more towards this partnership model where there'll be some benefits that are just provided for 100%, but there'll be others that there'll be this partnership. 
And that's what the ULife we are set up to provide. And that's really because of our engagement that we have so many touch points with the employees that we become a very safe space and a secure space for employers to use ULife as this, in a way, intermediate interface between them and their staff. And so last question before we sort of move on to other things, but last question on this is, um, I don't know what the percentage is of a total company spend on HR programs was, but with ULife, is there an expectation that that percentage increases by double, triple? Is it static? So let's just to give you some numbers, let's just easy numbers. Let's pretend 10% of a company's budget was towards HR related benefits, including insurance, whatever. Is the evolution of uh, product suites like ULife moving that from a 10% spend of the total to 15, 20, or is that mostly about keeping it constant? What are you seeing the trends here or is it actually even reducing it? Yeah. So there's financial well-being and there's well-being in general. So financial well-being products, that market keeps growing about 5% every year. And that's going now, it's edging towards 3 billion pounds. And that's just going up. And those are the financial products the company will offer. But what's been really expanding over time is more the corporate well-being programs like gym memberships, like, like paying for Headspace meditation subscriptions for different apps for their employees, for more counseling opportunities, for mental health platforms. That whole market has been growing and growing and growing. And that budget has increased. And what we're doing at ULife is we're capturing in a way both of those budgets because now employers are spending more on just general well-being. So that market has grown 20, 30% a year, I would say. And if you can fuse those benefits together with the financial benefits, for us, we feel that's really the ideal, where you can actually create an integrated product where your financial well-being is as important as your mental well-being, which is as important as physical well-being. Up till now, they've been compartmentalized. And a company may find, oh, I've got a budget there, and I've got, I spend a little bit there on mental health, a little bit there on financial health. What we're trying to do is to integrate it through our platform to one space and you can achieve all those different aspirations through one service. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, maybe Chasu, you can cover this in a little bit because I'm curious to hear your perspective on this. But before we go into some of the more dynamics of the space, the competitiveness, margins, and sort of how this space is evolving, I'd love to get to hear how you guys started working together. Sammy. Wow. It's been, it was really amazing, actually. We were raising our Series A. It was led by Creandum Ventures, and we did a £10 million Series A. And, and we were sort of closing it up. We were already, we were fully subscribed, and we were closing it up, very, very final stages. And then I just got this inbound message, I think it was on LinkedIn or an email, through Cam, who works at Notion, who wrote this fantastic email to me saying, we've really identified to you life, I've used my algorithm. And he has this amazing algorithm that maybe Richard Chasa can tell you more about to identify founders and emerging startups. And he wrote this really engaging email. And I think I wrote back and I said, man, thank you for approaching it. It's just really late in the day. And he said, no, no, really give us a chance. And I met Cam the next day together with a Chasa. And I have to say, I was really, blown away because even though it was late in the day and I sort of mentally closed you know because it's quite arduous fundraising but once I met Cam and then I met Echasso and Echasso's whole exuberance and passion for well-being and wellness and doing good in the world 
it so resonated with our own vision and values that it was at that point I realized we need to make space. We need to find space and revisit. And we managed to find space there for Echasso and her amazing team at Notion to come in. And, you know, they've continued along the path. But it was really through that initial meeting of reaching out in a really engaging way. And then through that shared values that was so clear when we met that really motivated me to make space. And I haven't regretted it. It's been a real pleasure since that point. Well, that's probably the, the nicest, best introduction ever. And I can attest that Ichasa's energy is very contagious. So yeah, wow, that's great intro. Well, Ichasa, I'd love to, to learn a little bit more from your point of view. Like what, what was it about you life that attracted you guys? I mean, Sammy talked about this mysterious algorithm, but I mean, all, all of investors have an algorithm. We call it an intuition. We call it a gut. We call it an algorithm, whatever is the case. But walk us through a little bit of what conversations you were having with your colleagues and Tam and you know the rest of the team about why this sector? Why now? So in fact, in our case, it's a, it's a real technology piece. It is not an intuition. It's a real technology piece. And I can tell you a little bit more in a second, but just very quickly about Notion. Notion Capital was started 13 years ago. We are not related to the note taking up which is these days confused with the firm we've been long before Notion, the note taking up was out. We started investing in B2B SaaS. So basically we pioneered the B2B SaaS investment in Europe and that covers SaaS applications, infrastructure, Internet of Things, big data, AI, anything that you can see in the B2B space that powers the biggest organizations these days, right? And we are focused uh, mainly in Series A, and yes, apart from building relationships with other investors, which uh, obviously it can be a good part of it, and we have very good relationships with you guys, but uh, we also have built internally a technology tool, which basically looks at signals in the market and identifies uh, founders and companies that are being built by the best individuals, because ultimately we are uh, investing in people. And so that's the way that we identified ULife. But uh, in that first meeting that I went uh, with Cam uh, there, that I'm very grateful we started working together because both of us, in fact, Cam and I are very passionate about working with entrepreneurs. So we showed up at that tandem office that um, Monday. And I was really, really impressed with the obsession uh, Sammy and Sam had for making employees healthier happier and therefore more productive. And as you just mentioned a couple of times, I am pretty much obsessed with health. And in fact, I do try to help people being healthier and therefore happier because I do think that they come hand on hand. And the fact that Sammy and Sam were absolutely obsessed with making employees happier and healthier. And they were using a completely different disruptive product to do that. And for those who know me, I mean, I'm a very product-led investor. And the product they were using is a basically an engagement tool for employees to keep track of how healthy they are being. And they can see how much they work today, be rewarded for those, how much do they meditate against other people in the company. And I think those things create a positive impact on the employee and on the team. And that was really, really convincing. Obviously, that comes related to 
other things that you we look for, right, which is the market, really for being disruptive. And we know that Lemonade, which was the previous B2C business that had been built in this space, was growing very, very fast. I'm a B2B investor, and I do believe that the user and the employee acquisition is an efficient way to build a business. So what about we take a business which is growing very fast in the B2C space, so therefore the market is ready, but we include an efficiency element and going B2B to acquire employees. And that was what convinced me in, in the first place, right? The founders, that obsession and the product element on it, as well as the market growth and potential. So help me understand in your definition, if ULife is a product-led company, give me an example of one that isn't, in your opinion, that is doing well. There are many companies that are not product-led and they are doing very, very well. In fact, you know, there is a difference between a product-led business and a customer-centric business, which both of them are completely good ways to build businesses. I'm a very product-led because I do believe that people today don't want to be sold. They want to try products. And once they try the product, they buy more. And that's with the element that Sami was talking about. What about we give the opportunity to employees to buy additional products through the app because they can buy dental insurance, but nobody is selling to them. They have the opportunity to buy and then they try it. Now, there are many companies that start much more customer-centric and they sell before even they build a product, which is phenomenal. Save less. Which is Tom, like Tom.co.uk, I think falls into that category. I think they're just like an aggregator, but they have, it's a messaging-driven business. You call it customer-centric. Literally, it's a messaging-driven business, like life insurance for dads, you know? And then Correct. the rest of it is mm-hmm. just the back end. But, but yeah, so carry on. And and so what I'm saying is that in many of those companies, uh, many founders go talk with many potential customers. They sell, they sign contracts. They don't have a product yet. They sign contracts and then they start building a product and they can grow massively. I mean, there are many examples. I'm not saying that those companies cannot be successful. They can be incredibly successful, but they are not the companies that I usually feel more comfortable working with. And my strengths are within the product. Sami can talk a little bit about this, but Josh is the CTO, CPO that you like. But Sami, maybe you can talk about my involvement with him. And my- Let me add a little bit of flavor to that question, Sami, before you continue, because mm-hmm. one thing that's not clear to me, and maybe you'll answer this as part of this, is that the cycle, the speed at which you can test a product-led growth company that's B2C is a lot faster than B2B. Because with B2B, you have these POCs that can take forever, right? And so I'm just trying to understand how you, in answering this question about sort of how you think about the product and growing through experimentation and how the employees use it, it's how do you also manage the sales cycle process of that? Because, you know, it's going to be a long time before you can see the results from how employees do things Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's worth keeping. Mm -hmm. So I would just say on that, there's two types of customers, essentially. I mean, the, the SME customers, the small, medium-sized enterprise, the sales cycle is much shorter. And there's some companies now we're onboarding, you know, literally they come out of ULife and within three days, they've onboarded their company. And in fact, actually one of the things we're most proud of is 40% of our 
customers, of our employers, of our companies have never, ever had life insurance before. They would never even think of offering that benefit. But then through life, they see that it's so much more. It's insurance, it's financial well-being, it's mental well-being. So therefore, they come and they buy the platform. And that's quite speedy. And therefore, that cycle of testing as well is much quicker. As opposed, let's say, to, for example, co-op has just recently bought you life for all of their staff. So that's over 60,000 employees that are now taken on the ULife app. And if you go on LinkedIn, you'll see so many co-op stories of co-op employees that are now competing on leaderboards and downloading the leaderboards and referring their friends. That's obviously that sales cycle is much longer. And that normally also involves a broker because we at ULife, we have a direct team that's building relationships directly with companies. But then 95% of the group life insurance is done through traditional brokers. And we have excellent relationships with those brokers and we're on their panels. And therefore, we have a variety of different sales channels to really help us grow. And I can add something to that, which in fact proves that sometimes investors, we are not correct or right with the investment thesis that we built before we do the investments. But when Sami and I met initially, we talked about all these businesses who had never had life insurance. And that untapped blue ocean market. And we did the investment uh, on the basis that, hey, there is an untapped market that we can go to all these businesses with no life insurance. And guess what? Today, as Sammy said, 50% or even more, probably you can say the percentage, but of the businesses that we are getting are businesses that they did have life insurance. And in fact, our investment thesis proved to be grown in that of the thesis, right? Luckily, uh, it's yeah, growing luckily. very fast. Yeah, but it is I, a big part of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I love. I see them when companies are switching to you life from a traditional player, and they're often paying 10, 20% more than their traditional player, because they're switching from essentially just death insurance, company just pays that on death, to truly life insurance. And like you said, it's down to the engagement. And like you mentioned, Josh Hart, who's one of our other co-founders, who is an obsessive, he runs our product. He has a vision for the product and he is a really creative guy. And he is obviously obsessed about our product from morning to night. He is also, by the way, an obsessive gamer, which is very interesting because I think at school and his parents, you know, he also used to get a hard time for being this, playing games for hours every day. But he's taken that obsession, everything he's learned from that obsession with the games, and he's channeled that into building the most engaging game, really, of ULife. And he studied, for example, Bartle has four different player types, killers, achievers, socializers, and explorers. And they each have a psychology of why they play games. And he's built aspects of our app that plays to the achievers, making sure that they're top, they go through the levels, the killers, they can have duels with other people to compete with leaderboards, you know, socializers build that social connection, explorers just exploring the app. We built these four worlds, the forest, the ocean, the desert, the mountain, with all this rich terrain. Uh, we're, you know, inspired by Yugi, our giraffe with the largest heart. So you're kind of entering into this world of the universe, which by the way, are. Our offices is called the universe, and we've created our actual honor universe, our actual universe, our offices. I see, I based see what you on did the there. App. I see what you did there, universe. I, I see what you did there. Yeah, absolutely. Universe with a U. It's like, 
So we've got imagine... a, you come and you're in a forest, you go downstairs, mm. you're in the ocean, we've got a tree house, which is the mountain. So basically it's very alive. We filter into the app, we filter into our office and it's about the engagement. I think after and this, and after this yeah. podcast, I think Josh and I are just going to resign what we're doing and just go work for you and join the I've been thinking about it already. I've been, we should just do that. <laughs> Forget it. I mean, the, hey guys, this is my official, I'm out. Tammy. <laughs> Um, but I, you know what, what I'm hearing though, it's something that it's like, you've taken a view on how to build a company that deals with employees and you're bundling a whole bunch of things and you're using your understanding of gamification and engagement to really get people to think seriously about this subject. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that life insurance is where you could have started. And what I'm curious, Chasso, is, you know, you look at all the investment choices you've had over the years. And, you know, this easily could have started as a competitor to a health insurance provider because it easily have started as any other sort of perk. Uh, probably perk isn't the right word, but like sort of benefit to employees. And then within that, you know, in our world of investment, we see how things get unbundled and rebundled and unbundled and rebundled. And what I'm hearing every time Sammy speaks is the bundling of all these things that define healthier, happier employees, starting with life insurance, but something sort of tells me that Sammy's not going to stop there. And if it wouldn't surprise me if in 10 years from now, you life included all these other elements. And I'm just trying to stand from you, like why you chose or why you thought that life insurance was the place to start versus some other insurance. Because for example, life insurance was something I didn't even know about until I moved to Europe from the US. Yeah, that's a very, very good question. I think there were a couple of things. Investors and Carlos, you can talk about this probably we look at patterns uh, when we invest. And there are a couple of patterns that I had seen on the market that really made me think this should work. It's, if this A and this B is working, then this should work similarly. One of them is uh, Alan. Alan Hell in France was already doing very well. I had the opportunity to invest as an angel. I passed. Whoa. I met Jan Carlos in 2014. I was working at Leap Partners, managing basically a couple of uh, family offices, money, very close to Brent Hoverman and Johnny Goodwin. He came to our offices and I, I had the opportunity to invest as an angel and I passed. And the fact that health insurance in the B2B space and the efficiencies was working that well made me think this can work too. And on the other hand, on the life insurance, as I said, the market through Lemonade was showing was ready for disruption. So I saw an opportunity to link both success points on the B2B go-to-market of Alan and efficiencies and the life insurance to lemonade. And so it's a little bit of that pattern matching that made me think this should work. And I was really into it. This is not a pure SaaS investment and it was for sure the first insurance play we did at Notion. And it was my first deal at Notion. So it wasn't an easy push in that investment committee as a different, let's say, deal in which we were not leading the round and Notion is usually a leading investor. We were basically sneaking in that round. Um, Creandum was also phenomenal on letting us uh, get in. And I think even though it is not a pure SaaS business, it has a very strong SaaS element in which it is a recurring business. It does have a software and a lot of data that we are gathering from all those employees that is allowing us now to be able to price 
the insurance and to provide better products and better pricing to our customers. So it does have a long-term element of this SaaS. And I think um, our probably SaaS contribution in terms of the mentality of building that recurring revenue also has influenced the trajectory of the company, right? Sammy, I don't know if you wanted to comment on that. Yeah, I mean, Notion has helped us in so many ways, um, especially around the product-led growth um, and through introducing us to amazing consultancy in the table group as well, who's been really helpful as well with us and, and through the regular sessions with your team at Chasso helping us. And what, one of the things that just stands out in my mind when I'm thinking about it now is you wrote a paper at Notion around game changers, around the importance of, as you grow your company, to really find just exceptional, outstanding individuals that are game changers. And for us, I think that was the really big, that motivated me a lot. And I think that was our big change from series A to series B, where we went out. And I think I was really inspired by your lead and inspired when you talk so much about game changers, that I found, you know, Keith Bale, my head of distribution, has been transformation around building our whole distribution infrastructure. And Lauren Berkemeyer, who was like VP of marketing now, who's like sets up a whole marketing. And finding those outstanding individuals was something I think that was reinforced, I think, through the advice from Notion. Let's play with that theme and to wrap up. I love that. I hadn't read the game chat. I'll have to, maybe Chas, you can send it to me later, but let's start with you then. So um, I'm going to give Sammy a chance to prepare his answer, but as an investor, what are the three pieces of advice that you would give from the lessons you've learned, not only in product-led growth, but also in terms of the kinds of things that you're looking for? What are the three pieces of advice in attracting somebody to work with you and think about how to scale the way that you've seen Sammy scale? And then Sammy, I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, so, you know, three pieces of advice you'd give to a younger version of you to get to where you are today and get there a little bit easier than you may have. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I don't know if they are three of them, but one is definitely... And I heard um, Koshla talking about this maybe 15, 20 years ago. And he was talking about look for people who are not in your network. And this is very, very important. Go to LinkedIn and look at who are the best people in the areas that you want to hire and message them. Call outbound. Just message them, tell them what you do and tell them how passionate you are about it. Try to find the people that are the best for what you are looking for. So that's super important. Don't look at who is around you, but rather who do you need and who are the best people for that role and reach out to them. Two, make sure you yourself believe you can convince them to join your business and your business is going to make them thrive. And I think that is very, very important. Some founders go out to hire thinking that, how can I reach out to these people? If they are the best in that space, in that category, why should they work for me? No, that's not the right question. The attitude is like, this is the company they should be working for. And so I'm going to convince them now when I get in the call with them, right? And then the third thing I would say, probably let them thrive and lead. As a founder, when they get to the business, don't try to set up what they do and what are they best at. They will be the ones telling you what needs to be done. So let them do. Don't try to manage. Don't try to stipulate what they do. 
just let them do, let them go. And I think that those probably three points, uh, I would say, um, yeah. That's some serious gold nuggets. I hadn't heard some of those before. I really like those. Sammy, hard act to follow, so. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, have a really clear vision that you can articulate really simply. And ideally, the bigger the vision, the better. But something that's really you can articulate and something ideally that can make a big difference in the world. So it's a purpose. I've always been drawn to purpose-driven visions. Have a big purpose. You really want to make a big impact and getting really clear on what that vision is and being able to articulate that really, really clearly, number one. Number two, choose your investors really carefully. Choose investors that align to your values because there's a lot of people out there with money and people can write checks, but you can't divorce your investors. You're on the journey with your investors and therefore choose investors that resonate, that you feel aligned to their values, that you feel good about it, that the next day after receiving the money that you wanna like work with them and build, go on this journey. And number three, just be authentic. Just ultimately just be you. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people are putting on masks. Well, our big motto at Life is just love being you. Be authentic, just be yourself and you'll attract the right types of partners. You'll attract the right types of founders and you'll make that difference in the world. Nice. Well, with that, we've covered quite a bit of ground and I just wanted to thank you both for the time. I feel FOMO of not working for you, Sammy, but I'm sure that will happen one day. Uh, Ichaso, thanks for all the wisdom. I still want to see a copy of this Game Changer stuff and also, you know, maybe send me your algorithm. I want to see, you know, what that's like. Maybe, uh, maybe you won't. The algorithm is a little bit more private, obviously, mm. uh, the tool, but the Game Changer uh, article, and in fact, it's a publication, it's a research. It is on our website. I will send you the link, Carlos, that everyone can find it on our website. And we'll yeah. add it to the show notes so that if you listen to this episode, Perfect. you can find it easily. So with that, guys, thank, thank you so much for joining. It was a pleasure. And for those of you listening, until next time, guys, bye. Thank you. Thank you.